Morgan, the author of Take Back That Game, not that, Take Back The Game, uh, How Money and Mania Are Ruining Kids Sports and Why It Matters. Uh, Linda, has this book been in the, in the works a while for you, or what's the, uh, what's the genesis for this uh, effort yes. of yours? Well, it's been percolating in my brain for about 20 years, but uh, I only started really writing it three or three years ago. It's hard to say with books because, you know, there were earlier versions of it kind of, but the genesis of it, I guess you could say was um, when my son started playing basketball and I was surprised and bothered by my own reaction to his, to his performance. You know, I felt I didn't like how invested I felt in it, in his success or how, you know, bummed out I felt when he didn't play well, I just felt weird. <laughs> and then w- when I became a coach, you know, I saw it on the other side and I, I, it was apparent how some parents were so fixated on results and, you know, rather, and what, and what the child, what sport could do for their child in college admissions. And I was troubled by this and uh, it made me motivated to explore the subject. We're talking with Linda Flanagan, who I should have mentioned, uh, aside from being a freelance journalist and, and researcher, is a former cross-country track coach, mother of three, as she said, talking about her own son. You know, I, I'm, I was reminded, Linda, when I was reading your book, that my, when my son was, oh, I don't know, eight or nine, we, we had him at a little basketball, a church that had basketball games and I was told in advance that the guy who ran the program was really good, but he didn't like a lot of parental uh, input in terms mm-hmm. of screaming and yelling. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. you know, that sounded fair. And, you know, and these are young kids running around. And I just I kind of forgot about it, you know, in his first playing. And I'm, I'm yelling out encouragement or whatever I was saying. And I realized my voice was kind of loud. In the gym. <laughs> there, were, there were a handful of people there. It wasn't a big crowd or anything. We're just playing around. And I just remember looking, thinking about, oh, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be doing it. I looked over at the guy, the the, the director, and he was giving me, I think the uh, the, the, the evil phrase, eye. Yeah, yeah. The Benny, they said about Benny Goodman when he when he um, was a, a band member had not done what they were supposed to. He gave them the ray, which was <laughs> a look. And the guy was just looking at me, not not meanly, but just and it was like, put me in my place. And I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But, you know, what we're talking about, of course, is, is a lot more than that. Uh, parents and coaches that uh, the word is, I guess, egregious. I mm-hmm. saw in, in the press release, egregious behavior, um, mm-hmm. too much, too much on both sides. Uh, yeah. And it's probably getting worse, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the pandemic, you know, has upset so much, obviously, of normal life. But it's also, you know, there's been more instances of parents freaking out in the stands and, you know, attacking coaches and officials and, you know, everyone seems so unsettled in our country. And it's been, it's been manifested in sports and youth sports as well. So it doesn't seem to be uh, improving, you know, and it's nice that your son's coach um, had that philosophy when he did, and it would be helpful if, in my view, if more coaches and schools adopted a policy like that, that kind of a zero tolerance policy on shrieking at kids during games. But, you know, for some reason in our culture, we 
we think that's permissible and it's okay, even though we don't allow it anywhere else. You know, certainly teachers aren't aren't allowed to uh, send kids out to do laps if they forget their homework. Um, and <laughs> don't don't say that too loud. Somebody might think, "Hey, that's a pretty good idea." <laughs> you two, two birds with one stone. Well, you know, the one thing is, I'm I'm old enough to remember uh, and and recalling it in my own life. Uh, you know, the idea of of going out on your own, kids playing the sand. I know this is a you know oft heard. A lament mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where, you know kids don't play it's always organized now kids have to have uniforms and and yep. you know organization and, and yet again again depending where you live rural urban it's it's a little different but yeah um there just it just seems to be we don't leave them alone anymore the kids that yes is. they, they got to be yeah. always monitored controlled yeah which and is not helpful to them honestly right how do we get away from that though? I think your book provides yeah, I know at the back of the book you you have kind of you know, it isn't all just sort of, you know, a little, you know, kind of talking about the problems, but you you have solutions there. Um what what do you what do you say to the folks that say, "Okay, so what do we do about it?" Well, you know, if you can acknowledge first of all that it's a problem and that perhaps you are too invested in your kids' sports, you know, if if it's possible to step away, um to step away more and to get your own life as an adult. Um, one of the, the four principles I offer to parents is the idea that you want to model a positive adulthood. And, um, you know, if you think about the way, if you're a very active youth sports parent and you spend most of your time or much of your free time anyway, driving hither and yon to get deliver your kids to different fields, it, it's to me that doesn't exactly model a an attractive adulthood. So I think if you can start with that and like, what do you want them to learn? It's this going to be an appealing uh, place to be to, to grow up and be an independent person. Um, you know, I think that's a part of it. Um, keeping striving to keep perspective. It's it's that's I think one of the hardest things as a parent. You know. Uh, we understand uh, we understand life backwards, but we live it going forwards, and it's really hard to understand what matters. But if parents can try to keep perspective about what's important, to really work at that, and there are ways to do that, it would be helpful. And I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. No, no, no just, um, go ahead. I was, well, I was just going to remind folks we're talking about your book, uh, "Take Back the Game," uh, Linda Flanagan's book, "How Money and Mania Ruining Kids Sports," and you know, your voice isn't, isn't just about, oh, uh, making a scene in the stands, but it's about, uh, and I think you, you, go, you touch on a lot of things here. Um, the money is, is mm-hmm. people don't realize that the money now that, that goes into youth sports, uh, it's, it's such a, corp, you know, a corporate business that it, is. Uh, it eclipses the NFL. I think you have a stat yes. in your book. Yeah, it's a $19 billion industry versus the NFL, which is $15 billion. And it has grown 90% since 2010. So, you know, I think, you know, parents need to recognize there are a lot of people profiting off your kids mm-hmm. and that, you know, not that these are bad people. I don't mean to suggest that, you know, the various businesses and coaches and all these you know leagues that they're malevolent actors, I think, but they recognize there's a market here. You know, parents are worried, they're anxious. They want to give their kids an advantage. So they buy into it. And, um, you know, it would be wise also to remember the findings from 
the Families in Sport Lab at Utah State, which is run by Travis Dorsch, they're finding that the more parents spend, the less kids enjoy it and the more pressure they feel. And that makes sense because, you know, you, 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 if you can pull back and it's hard when it's your kid or your kids or your grandkid or whatever it is, because, you know, you feel, you know, sort of, oh, you know, that's a little part of me running around out there in mm-hmm. that field or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, that's human nature. The same thing is let, let, the, let the child go a little bit. You, you also have in there, and I think this was important, you know, you, you talk about the well-being of the child. But, you know, the hyper competition, the, the way that the, and this maybe works more as they get a little older into high school and and so forth. But it can lead to mental problems, sleep deprivation mm-hmm. I and mean, all kinds of things that could go along. Yes. With that. Yes. Well, kids are training so much more. So much more is being asked of them physically than they ever that ever used to be, because the answer in our culture is always more, 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 more is better. And kids feel this, um, what one psychologist called ghost peer pressure, like certainly by high school where, you know, if I'm not doing, if I'm not going out for that extra run, well, my competitor might be, so I better go out and do that. And it, it just contributes. It has made youth sports, um, a source of, uh, at the competitive level, anxiety and depression for some kids, because they just, the stakes feel too high. It's not fun. The stakes are too high. It seems too important. And, um, you know, the parents and coaches investing so much in it as well contributes to that. It's a huge part of that. Linda, have you had some pushback? You, you yourself are a former cross country track coach. Have you had run into folks that, uh, Hey, you know, uh, uh, coaching, you know, we, we have to do things, you know, to kind of defend some of the things. Oh, yes. That, uh, coaches oh, do. Of course. And, you know, I, I believe that kids should be well coached by coaches who know what they're doing. And, you know, I'm not saying that sports don't matter, that it should all just be fun and games. I think there's a lot to be said for serious sports programs because you can really, those are so memorable. And I've been on, been on teams myself and I've been a competitive runner and I know what that kind of intensity can do for you. It, it's very um, nourishing and enriching, but at the same time, we, we have to keep it in the proper perspective. And I think because parents have very hard time seeing their own children realistically, and I'm sure I was guilty of this too, I'm not exempting myself especially their talent or ability to advance perhaps into college or, you know, even beyond in some parents' eyes. Because of that, um, there is pushback against, you know, a conservative approach. In my sport, I've tended to be fairly conservative in how much I wanted the girls to run. I mean, I felt like I had high expectations, but, you know, there's, you know, some who want more and they can point to other programs all over here. They're doing 50 miles a week. And, you know, there is that, there is going to be that resistance. And um, I understand that. It's just that uh, I don't think it's ultimately helpful for the kids. I'm, I'm waiting. We're talking with Linda Flanagan, author of Take Back the Game. And I'm waiting for sports betting to get into youth sports because oh, that will be the, ultim- the ultimate uh, in um, just sort of laying everything out there. Oh God, I hadn't even <laughs> thought of that. I mean, NIL in youth sports is going to be bad enough, but oh uh-huh. wow. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll save that for another book or another show. Yes. <laughs> um, one of the things you point out, Linda, is the number of women who coach yes. has continued to fall. Yes. And that's, 
that's that's an issue because you know we're we're all about promoting women's sports but yet the number of coaches is is declining apparently yes it's such a paradox and you know that when title nine was passed in 1972 90 percent of women's college coaches were uh, of the coaches for women's teams were women themselves 90 percent were women right in 2021 it was 42 percent wow and at the high school level, it, you know, it's it's harder to get to get a handle on some of these numbers. The, the data is not all that available, but some studies have shown, at least in one state, Minnesota, 21% of head coaches were women. And at the youth level, it's like 28%. So it's just, you know, there's this disparity, even as more girls obviously now play sports, giant number of girls play, they're still tend to be coached by their fathers or other men which is not, you know, it's not great. <laughs> in yeah. my view, I think girls should have positive athletic role models in, in adult women. Yeah. And I think it, it only makes sense because, uh, I don't know, this is another stereotype, but sometimes guys get carried away and, mm -hmm. you know, as anyone can, of course, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. This is terrible to just even think this, but, you know, sometimes I believe, you know, women are a little more level headed, <laughs> than than men you know when when you know crisis comes or when there's issues i don't think we men like to admit that but yeah, uh, well yes something that's there well naturally i believe that but uh <laughs> i thought i'd find know. an ally <laughs> naturally you're correct <laughs> um but I, I also think it's just good for girls to um you know have a different example of you know different leadership style i mean there are some women coaches who are going to be you know just as aggressive and macho as some male sure. coaches but right and vice versa male coaches who can be empathetic and kind and caring and nur nurturing um, but it's just good to have a cross section and for it not to be so like divided by gender right right we're talking with linda flanagan one last thing linda um the book, you know, is out there now, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, I don't want to say running against the grain, but, uh, you know, when you look mm -hmm. at the, the world around us, especially post COVID, if we can say that, uh, everyone wants to get back out and, and run around and, and do things that they've been kind of bottled up on. Mm -hmm. um, is, is there, are there some examples you can point to that, hey, this is working elsewhere? Or, or what, what is your thought there? You mean another another model for you? Yeah, another of? model other than that, which, you know, is is creating a problem. So, yeah. Well, in other countries, you know, yeah, the, other the, countries, perhaps. Yeah. Norway. Google Norway. Youth sports <laughs> in Norway. And that's the answer right there. Even though even the winter sports, the scheme, because I know they always dominate that in the winter. Yes, they, they dominate, like... period. <laughs> But Steve, I'm afraid I have to go because I have another interview. Oh, absolutely. I understand it. Linda, thank you so much. The book again, Take Back the Game. We wish you well. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure talking to you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now.